Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Great to have you with us. Before we get to basketball and what happened last night, (laughs) how about Kale Sanderson? You know, there's so many reasons why I just flat out like him. Is it's that he just gets it? Yeah, hey, hey, it's you know, hey, it's sports. He doesn't overthink it. He's another reason we can't have go out and, and do this and have fun with it. I mean, <laughs> in a world that overthinks everything, you got a guy that's won eight of the last nine national championships, and he doesn't overthink it. <laughs> He's a perfect example for a lot of people. Uh, I just thought it was great. Just the... He says, hey, it's sports. Ah, Perfect. And how many times have you heard... How we've approached things here on the show. Same thing. When you're around it all the time, you know, I, I think you have a tendency to not over. Uh, you have a tendency to not overthink it when you're around it all the time. Uh, and uh, and this is going to be in, in all seriousness. So I'm not. This is not. I am not saying this. Uh, kidding around because we kid around about Kevin Hur in the suit all the time and the whole thing, and everyone knows how I, I think the world of the guy, right? And he'll be the first to tell you, yeah, and this is his own ambition, he overthinks everything, and he never understood why I didn't I didn't approach sports the same way. And I said I'm around it like all the time. I said it's there's a lot of thinking that goes into it, but don't overthink it. Maybe like me trying to overthink multiple trips to Disney. No. <laughs> Control is like, oh, God. Now that you have to plan out. <laughs> okay, just very quickly. Something tells me that at some point this Disney conversation has come up with that we've had on the show with Lisa. And what have been her thoughts? She says exactly right. We don't need to go. <laughs> she thinks I'm right. Yes. She likes me more every show. <laughs> <laughs> She's also asking where we're going to get the money for this. I said, well, I'm working we on save. the show. Yeah, we got to save a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get money for Luke's uh, college fund. By not going to Disney. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't want to ruin your life here. Uh, can't can't do that. All right, let's get to basketball. 
Penn State last night uh, beat Michigan 72-63. And it gets Penn State to 14-5 and overall, 4-4 four and four in the Big Ten. A valuable win because you win a game on the road. A valuable win because you win a game on the road in the Big Ten. Gets them back to even in the conference and 14-5 and overall. So all of that comes into play. I'm not sure that as people watch this journey happen, I'm not sure if they understand how good this has been so far. Now, there's still a ways to go. You still got a dozen games of the regular season to play, then postseason. But let's give some perspective on what we're watching. First, let's start with the game last night. You need your star to be your star at certain points, and sometimes you need your star to be the star at the beginning. You're on the road. You need to get out of the gate. Lamar Stevens got this team out of the gate. Got them right out of the gate. Then... When they had when they hit a little bit of a lull, then Myron Jones got hot. And then in the second half, it really would help if somebody got hot here. So you're thinking, could Lamar get hot again? Could Myron Jones get hot again? Nope, Curtis Jones. Scored eighteen second half points, including eleven in a row at one point. So they had three different guys suddenly get hot and carry the loads. I mean, you're fortunate on a given night where you feel like one guy got hot and is doing something for you, let alone having three guys at three separate occasions do that. Defensively, Penn State gave up 21 points in the first 10 minutes of the game. Not good. Penn State gave up 42 points in the last 30 minutes of the game. Phenomenal. Last night, and Seth Lundy will stay in the starting line. Seth Lundy is, you can just see, he's getting better and better and better all the time. And he, the best is yet to come for him in this season, and he's just going to get better and better as his career goes. Last night, though, defensively, not offensively, but defensively, that game was not made for him at this stage of the season. Michigan is a team that has a playbook that is about the same thickness as the 49ers playbook. Juwan Howard has a lot of plays, a lot of NBA stuff. They want to get as many layups as possible and as many three-pointers as possible. Mid-range, eh. Again, these are NBA concepts, so you defend the three, defend the layup, defend the three, defend the layup. Well, conversely, offensively, you want to get the layup, hit the three, get the layup, hit the three. Well, for a young player like Lundy, that with the stuff they were running last night, it kind of got him on a swivel. And what's always interesting is that when you hear uh, so often people will base their evaluation on points or then they'll look and see like steals or blocks. So the stats will tell them the story as to what they think they're seeing out there. Usually stats can confirm it, but sometimes you have to watch the game, like really watch it to understand what they're doing. When they put Miles Dredd is not going to wow you with what he did stat line last night. He had a three-pointer, had a couple of assists, some rebounds. That's fine. But you know what he did last night when he came into the game? He came in in Seth Lundy's spot, and he stabilized the defense. Now, 
people didn't have to help out a little bit more to help out someplace. It's just on this particular night, because Seth's going to be a terrific. Seth has been a really good defender. He's just going to get better and better as a defender. But this is a particular night where I thought Miles Dredd's defense stabilized Penn State's defense. And Michigan couldn't. Michigan, which, by the way, in the first 10 minutes, in my opinion, had a high-quality shot. They missed some layups. They missed some threes. But they had some open threes they didn't hit, and they had some open layups they missed. But then in the final 30 minutes, that's not why Michigan missed. Michigan missed in the final 30 minutes because they were flat-out defended by Penn State. After getting a high-quality shot in the first 10 minutes, some of which they got, some of which they missed, Penn State then turned the screws in the last 30 minutes defensively. And then they built a margin, and in that working margin, Michigan got to five, but that was it. And as soon as Michigan got to five, Penn State, boom, got a score, a stop, and a score, and it was back to ten again. So now I'm going to go through something quickly here with you, because there's terminology you're going to hear a lot of in the month of February and March, and that is the quad system. Quad one, two, three, and four. What is a quad one win? What is a quad two win? Quad three, quad four. So let's just quickly take you through and just do it as a as a Cliff Notes primer for you. A quad one win is any victory at home against anybody ranked one through thirty. That's you know in the net system, their ranking system, a one through thirty one. So a one through thirty win at home is a quad one win. If you beat somebody 1 through 50 on a neutral court, that is a quad one win. And if you beat any team 1 through 75 in their building, that is a quad one win. Quad two is 31 to 75 at home, 51 to 100 on neutral, 76 to 135 on the road. And then it goes from there, three and four. Okay. There's also a point system, too, they look at as well. Quad one win is considered to be plus four. If you lose it, you're playing a quad one opponent, you lose it, it's minus one. A two is a plus three. If you lose it, it's minus two. But then if you beat a quad three team, it's plus two, but if you lose it, it's minus three. And a quad four one is only a plus one, but if you lose it, it's minus four. So you see how it's weighted here. So nationally, this is what you've been watching so far, if you're watching or listening or reading about Penn State basketball. The team with the most quad one wins in the country this season so far is Kansas. They have eight. That is a really impressive number, eight. Number two is red-hot Seton Hall. They've won nine games in a row. They've got a terrific player in Miles Powell. Talking to Dana O'Neill about uh, Miles the other day, she just thinks he's a tremendous player. But they're just a really good team. Ironically, you know, the last loss Seton Hall had was at Rutgers, and that was a game where Powell got hurt. So Kansas has eight quad one wins. They're number one. Number two in quad one wins is Seton Hall with six. Number three in quad one wins with five, Penn State. Also with quad. Uh, five quad one wins. There's six of them. There's Penn State, Oregon, Creighton, Iowa, Baylor, and Wisconsin. 
And there's only one team in the nation that has four quad one wins, and that's Kentucky. Penn State also has three quad two wins in there. So eight of Penn State's 14 wins have either been quad one or quad two. Kansas has 10, eight quad ones, two quad twos. Seton Hall, nine, six, and three. Penn State, eight, five, and three. Oregon, eight, five, and three. Iowa, eight, five, and three. Baylor, though, has nine. Five quad ones, four quad twos. Wisconsin has six, five, and one. Creighton has six, five, and one. Kentucky has six, four, and two in terms of quad one and quad two wins. That's what has happened so far to this point. Kansas has eight quad one wins this year, number one. Seton Hall has six quad one wins. Penn State and five others have five quad one wins. Then Kentucky has four. That is your top nine in quad one wins. Just to give some perspective, and Penn State is playing, I believe, the 12th-ranked schedule in the country right now. Still a long way to go, obviously. There's still a dozen conference games in a row coming up starting next Wednesday. Not easy. But then again, Penn State's not going to be easy for anybody. Just as I pointed out during the tough stretch, I said Penn State's getting help in other areas. Alabama's won some games, including beating Auburn. Syracuse has been winning games. Georgetown's won some games. So Penn State's opponents in this non-con have helped them with some significant wins. But as I said, now the key is for Penn State to, quote, help itself. Well, they've beaten Ohio State and Michigan back-to-back. Penn State has been helping itself. We'll come back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Care Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. On News Radio 1070, WKOK. Okay, um, it is not true there's a GoFundMe, the Disney page for Trillo. I just want to point that out. Yes, I can confirm that. Contractually obligated to mention that, that there is no GoFundMe page. Uh, You're just going to have to earn it on your own. I'm okay with that. You know, we could set it up and do shows from Disney, and that way you could go down there and... You know, say it's it's a job related thing. If you can make it happen, I'm all for it. Well, I'm not gonna sit there and make it. I'm a little busy. See <laughs> 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 you want you want it to happen, you gotta make it happen, man. I can't I can't do everything for you. Now if Penn State uh, doesn't make the college football playoffs next year, hopefully they do, but if they don't, then they need to go back and play a bowl game in Orlando. Then we have our then we have our excuse. 
No offense, I want to go to a New Year's Six. <laughs> and obviously, the, the college football playoff, I really, I'm not all that concerned about going back to the Citrus Bowl. It's fine, that's nice, but still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I understand, though, your need to say, hey, let's do some shows down at Disney. I'm like, eh, okay, great. Or you know what? Even if they make the college football playoffs, well, maybe at that time it'll be in Miami. At least the semifinals maybe might be in Miami. Then all you have to do is take about a three-hour trip up by four. Uh, next year the semifinals are in the, the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. Oh, that's right. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm out yeah, then. I mean, <laughs> you may have to wait a couple of years. Yeah. How about that? Unless one of the New Year's Six games are in Miami next year. I'm not sure what the rotation is. Oh, there's always, I mean, those are always New Year's Six games. But, I mean, look, the bottom line is you're trying to get to the college football playoff. Right, of course. Right. So, but, yeah, those games are every year. Every single year. Uh, all right. The uh, Eli Manning's going to retire tomorrow. Uh, there'll be debate about whether he's a Hall of Fame or not. I don't think he goes in the first time he's on the ballot, but I think within the first four years he's on the ballot, somewhere within it, whether it's two, three, or four, he'll get, he'll go. First year, he won't be like Troy Polamalu. He won't go the first time through. But years two, three, or four, I could see him going. Yeah, that's... uh, Yeah, I know, you know, you're an Eagles fan, so you don't think he does. No, actually, I do. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I just, um, you know, you're drafted number one. Now, obviously, he was first overall by the Chargers, but there was a draft trade where, you know, the Giants drafted Phillip Rivers, and then they swapped picks that day. You are brought to New York. And why were you brought to New York? You were brought to New York to win a Super Bowl. Well, in conjunction with his teammates, they won twice. Exactly what more were you supposed to accomplish? Plus two Super Bowl MVPs. Yeah. One of them leading to the probably one of the greatest upsets in sports. Oh, yeah. Well, one of them, yeah. All right. Great to have you with us on the show today, the really big show. Bob Nightingale's on the show today. We'll talk about the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, also, Mike Renner from the Senior Bowl from Pro Football Focus. Get an update on how Cam Brown and Robert Windsor are doing and the GoFundMe page for Catrillo to Disney. Car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you 
you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. I think we're going to what, get to Mike Renner, pro football focus here. Does that sound good to you, Matt? Yeah, I'm ready for him. I know you're ready. <laughs> I mean, you were born ready. Always. Yeah. This is where Luke is going to benefit so much in life. Dad's ready. <laughs> By the way, are you going to be one of those Little League, um, you know, soccer, basketball coaches? You're going to be, like, that active? I think and it'd be I mean, fun. To, I, I, I don't know about I a head mean, coach job, but I mean, I mean this in a good way, by the way. Oh yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, um, I I don't know about being like a head coach, but maybe I think it might be fun to be an assistant. Sure. For one of those things, I think it'd be fun, especially little league, because I I really enjoy playing. So maybe something that's like great. that. I love it. That's great. Glad to hear that. Um, enjoy, enjoy it. Um, I did it. I did that for fourteen years. I did baseball and I did um, basketball. Okay. And it just allowed me, you know, people say, you know, it, it's interesting. My son Dan was talking with his friends. And, of course, everybody knows, you know, my schedule is all over the place. I mean, I got back at midnight from Michigan last night. And it's always been like that. And this is the way it's always been. And somebody somebody said to my son Dan, um, you know, boy, you probably far, hardly ever saw him. And he says, no. He said, we saw him all the time. You know, because again, you know, they played the game last night. I was back at midnight. He says, "No, Dad was home. Dad was around. Dad coaches in the league. Dad coaches in in uh, in basketball." He said he was actually there like a ton. Now, I'm trying to remember if he said he was there too much. I'm trying to think. You know. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah, I mean, do it. I mean, just just be there, be present, and and enjoy it. Uh, enjoy it. Okay, let's uh, bring in Mike Renner, Pro Football Focus. He is at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. Mike, first of all, welcome. It's great to have you with us. How's it going, Phil? Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you on. All right, going into the Senior Bowl, who did you have that was that graded out really well because you've broken down every nuance and that met expectation to you as you've watched them this week? I think easily the best player here at the Senior Bowl is South Carolina defensive tackle, Javon Kinlaw. Uh, he's, he showed up at the weigh-in, kicked every box there, 6'5", 34-plus-inch arms, 315. And then the one-on-ones has been absolutely dominant. Uh, I think he's every bit a top-ten sort of pick. Uh, I don't think you can really draft him too highly. He's been uber-productive on the football field the past couple seasons for South Carolina, and I think he came here and he's just he's really in a class all on his own. Uh, among the players at the Senior Bowl. Right now, let's flip it to the other part. 
who has come in here where you had highly graded, but now you're looking at and you have maybe a couple more questions than you had before? Uh, I think Vanderbilt tight end Jared Pinkney has had a, a fairly rough week in terms of uh, being able to separate against linebackers. Uh, and if you can't get open against linebackers down here, you're, you're kind of not you're not going to be a difference maker at the tight end position. You should be able to you should be able to beat linebackers in your sleep. You should, it should be more a question of can you beat safeties or not. Uh, and he has really struggled in that. So I, I, he was the guy I was high on uh, with the tape back from 2018 when he graded out extremely well for us. But uh, I think this really is down the senior bowl, a very good proving ground to see you against, you know, NFL level competition. And, and if you don't look good here, chances are it's not all of a sudden going to change once you get to the NFL. Justin Herbert is there. Uh, and he's going to get a lot of publicity surrounding this game all week and then leading in. What have been your thoughts, A, on how he graded out in his regular season, and also now that you've had a chance to really see him in person, what's your feel for him? He's a guy who was always going to win this week. Like, he, he has the biggest arm here. He looks great in shorts. You know, takes the size boxes that you want to see at quarterback position, and he's fairly accurate. He's not like a you know, a Josh Allen type to where you, there's concerns about his accuracy. He's pretty accurate with the football. And, uh, we, we do, you know, uh, we chart every throw here, and he's actually been the most accurate quarterback on a throw, throw basis of the guys here through the first two days' practice. But that was always going to – he was always going to win. He, that, he has that. The more question marks for me are uh, in the grading, on the tape, what you see in big games, and even, uh, you know, the past uh, – the two big, you know, signature wins that he had this year in the Cops Championship game against Utah – bowl win against Wisconsin, he did not create out well. Uh, you know, they won those games despite him, not because of him. Uh, and that's sort of the biggest question mark, is if any real defense he saw, he kind of just fell apart. So, uh, there's not really much he could do to really raise his draft stock too much in my eyes, but I still do think he ends up going uh, in the top ten when it's all said and done, just because someone's going to bet on that arm. Yet a couple of times, and you talk about the two big games he won, where he actually, and look, some, I'm not saying he's a runner, he's not, but he actually did some positive things with his legs. Does that help him moving to the next level? Yeah, I think anytime you, you can be, you can add to the run game as a quarterback, it's just a value add. Like, if you can run an option and be a legitimate threat in it, I think he can. I think he's going to run probably, you know, at the combine somewhere around a 4-7. At that point, you know, he, he's probably can you know, you want it not could be cam newton but you can do sort right. of cam newton-esque things with him in terms of uh running back quarterback runs so uh i think that is definitely a value add that he didn't really show too much of like you mentioned before uh right. the end of the season there okay the game is going to be a sellout for the first time in years and probably a central reason why is the return of jalen hurts to the state of alabama what have you thought in watching him? Because obviously there have been rumors that some people have said, are you willing to play another position besides quarterback? <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone's – if you're athletic at the quarterback position, you're going to get questions about which, are you willing which, to which, play somewhere else. Which, because... which in all fairness, before everybody starts getting in, is remember, this was a discussion around Trace McSorley last year from Penn State. So this is not an out-of-the-box out of <laughs> question. No, yeah, I mean, I think any – just because of, you know, there's so few quarterbacks that actually make it in the NFL. Like, a lot of guys uh, fizzle out at the position. There's, you know, only a couple guys usually in a draft class that are ever going to even sniff being a starter in the league. So, I, I do think that, you know, the NFL is probably going to be pretty low on his stamp. He, he does not have, you know, necessarily, uh, he doesn't have quick decision-making that he shows on his tape. He doesn't have downfield accuracy. 
uh, two big things you want to see. It doesn't have a lot of throws of anticipation. Those are big things you want to see at the quarterback position that we haven't seen on his tape, hasn't been who he is. And he's athletic. He is actually, you know, uh, you know, close to a running back in terms of his skill set. Now he's not Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray in terms of how dynamic he is, but he can run the ball between the tackles. So that's why people are asking about him changing positions because as a passer, if he didn't have his legs, he would not be a prospect whatsoever. Look, the bottom line is I don't blame him personally for saying, look, I'm a quarterback. I got it. Give it the best shot you have. But do whatever you can to make your to get yourself into the league too. <laughs> I mean, the bottom line is collecting checks. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, I want to ask you about two Penn Staters down there: Cam Brown at linebacker and Robert Windsor at defensive tackle. Uh, what do you see out of each of them in terms of what their grade was coming in and what if what they have shown you during the course of this week? Linebacker is a tough position this week because it's not really uh, there's not much you can glean. From uh, just the one, you don't really get a lot of one on one. It's not necessarily a great position. I, I think his tape speaks for itself at this point and what we've seen from him in the past. Cam Brown, he, he's athletic. I think the biggest thing, transition for him, is he played kind of the overhang role in Penn State where he's, you know, playing the slot and not necessarily between the tackles a lot. Just seeing him play between the tackles is going to be valuable. Uh, you, you know, what do his instincts look like? What are his reads? How quick it will be? Can he play uh, and take on blocks there? Because that's not a thing he did a lot of at Penn State. Windsor's actually showed out fairly well in the one-on-ones. This is a bigger week for him. Uh, the biggest thing, though, is he showed up still pretty light, uh, you know, well under 300 pounds. Uh, that's just going to be difficult for him to hold up in the running game, and it's already been on his tape him, you know, struggling against double teams, struggling to hold the point of attack, uh, and I think we've kind of seen that from him here. Good as a pass rusher in the run drills, run sort of stuff still kind of a liability, and that might just be who he is at the next level. Mike, what's the value of the game on Saturday? I, we know there's a high value on the practices. There's also a high value in the interaction that front office people have and coaches have with the players. What's the value of the game, in your opinion? I, I think it's just another piece. Uh, I think every sort of interaction you get down here uh, is just more data on a player, and so for a lot of these guys, you know, if you're FCS, D3, whatever prospects, this is the first time you're playing with NFL talent, first time you're surrounded by uh, and going up against guys who will be playing in the NFL. And so uh, in that game, you get to see how a guy handles himself uh, in a number of different situations that he probably was never in against, uh, you know, the best competition he's probably ever faced. So I, I do think it's a very, the whole week is a very valuable part uh, of the evaluation process. Which prospects have piqued your interest in watching them this week to the point where you say, you know what, I want, I want to see more? I think K.J. Hill has had a really, really good week, the Ohio State wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, the year after McCarran McLaurin was the winner last year, the Ohio State wide receiver with similarly not great production. Uh, there's just a lot of mouths to feed in that Ohio State offense. There's a lot of talent <laughs> that some guys sort of get lost, apparently. Uh, and KJ Hill looks like he's one of them. He hasn't he hasn't lost a single route this week. When we charted everything, he hasn't lost a single one, which is kind of, which is really impressive. And he was a guy who was a slot only at Ohio State, uh, is playing more on the outside, so he didn't really see press. Uh, he's playing more outside here, and has seen press coverage and just absolutely turning guys inside out, left and right. So he has really moved up, probably moving up a lot of draft boards with his play uh, so far here. All right, now I'm going to get to two other very important categories: left tackles. 
Are there left tackles that you're looking at out there that bring to the team? May not be a starter immediately in the NFL, but bear watching because they've got footwork and length that can get them to a roster. Yeah, I think there's two guys who really are the cream of the crop here at Senior Bowl in terms of the tackle position that actually have what it takes to be you know NFL-level pass protectors. One, Josh Jones from Houston, probably the most impressive offensive lineman down here so far this week. He took Wisconsin linebacker. Uh, Zach Bond for a ride in the team drills uh, at second level. Had had him running down the football field, and he's been very good in the pass protection reps in the one-on-one. I I think he could be a day-one starter for a team. Uh, He's actually 18th on our draft board at the moment. And and then the other one's Matt Pert from UConn. Uh, Bill Belichick was watching him like a hawk, following him around the field yesterday during the practices. He has all the length, all the athleticism. It's a little raw uh, coming out of UConn, but I think he's improved grade-wise every single year there. So those two guys are both, uh, they both very much look the part at the tackle position down here. Well, the kid from UConn must be thrilled to look around the huddle and go, wow, real teammates. Uh, okay, uh, <laughs> look at this huddle. I don't recall this at East Hartford. Uh, and uh, now let's get to the other part, pass rushers. Which guys show you off the edge the ability to to have multiple moves to make plays. It has not been a great group of pass rushers down here. Uh, the most intriguing one to me is actually Tulsa's Trevis Gibson. Oh, okay. He's been pretty good in the one-on-ones, and he's uh, there's a lot of guys here who are undersized. He, he is not that. He is you know six four, two sixty, super long arms, uh, but a guy who's very raw, uh, but he has all the physical tools in the world to succeed at the NFL level, and uh, there's not a lot of first-round edge prospects down here, and it's not quite frankly even uh, the whole class as a whole with, you know, underclassmen and guys who aren't in the senior ball. It's not a great pass rushing group, but I think for him as probably a day-two guy, he offers a lot more, you know, that perceived upside than a lot of these other prospects. Mike, absolute pleasure. Appreciate your time, your analysis, and everything. Um, you know T. Frank's sitting here. He's been taking notes, so he's, we're all set to go. Thank you so much, Mike. For sure, fellas. Thanks for having me. And it's Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. We will come back with more in a moment. Great to have you with us. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. On News Radio 1070 WKOK. Great to have you with us. Bob Nightingale, USA Today, coming up in the next half hour. We'll talk to him about a variety of things, from the Astro scandal to Derek Jeter, Larry Walker, to minor league baseball. Uh, I'm going to run something by him and see what he thinks about this. I've been thinking a lot about, uh, obviously, the problems that have been happening with the scandal of Major League Baseball and video. I think it has to come to the point now. And let, let's let's do another part too. Remember what happened with the Patriots and the Bengals, right? Okay. So in the Patriots and Bengals, what are they accused of doing? They're accused of filming the signals on the sideline. And it's an independent crew, or not independent crew, but it's, they're doing a feature for uh, their website on scouting. I think every league 
needs to take complete control of its video. So, in other words, um, you want to send somebody to scout, um, don't bother. We'll have video sent out, and everybody is starting from square one as to what you're doing to break down tape or video. Uh, No on-site scouting anymore. Uh, The next part is uh, when it comes to replay, do it like college football does, although I don't like the centralized thing. I don't like the extra, you know, we're all looking at it here in Chicago, New York, whatever. I don't like that. Look, put an ump. I've mentioned this many times. Put the umpire there with a couple of technicians, and they control all the video, and no video allowed in the dugouts, period. You want to challenge it? Hey, it's your best guess, babe. Hey, you if you think you thought you saw it differently, take a shot. Challenge it. No video in the dugout. If you notice, for example, in the NFL, let's just take uh the Microsoft uh tablets they have on the sideline. There's no video on the sideline in the NFL. Same thing in college football. All those are still pictures. They're just doing it on a tablet instead of doing it on the on, on by flipping pages like they used to. You see Peyton Manning on the sideline flipping pages. Well, now that's all on a tablet. No video. I don't think anybody should have access to replay video anywhere except in the one booth and have it controlled by the league. You want to take a shot, your best guess? Take a shot in your best guess. But I think now the privilege has been abused to the point where no dugout should be allowed to have any video. I don't think video should be allowed in the NHL bench. I don't think video should be, you know, you shouldn't have a a video guy up there looking at the replay to tell Andy Reid to challenge it. Nothing. I think now, because of what's happened, they've abused the privilege. In the NFL, you don't have as many challenges anyway at this point, because all scoring plays and all turnovers are already automatically challenged. Pass interference thing got to be ridiculous, which we predicted right away it would be. But I think now the, the privilege has been abused. Because the privilege has been abused, you've now lost the right, in my opinion, to have video anywhere, a team having access to any video, including including the part about sending scouts on the road. Like that piece that was being done for the website on scouting? Um, no. Forget it. You want to scout, you do it in your office. Because they've lost the privilege to do it. And I think the leagues just have to take charge of it, and the team should have no access to what is being seen during the game. So if you want to challenge something, guess what? It's your gut saying, I think he was safe. It's my gut saying he was out of bounds. Now, obviously, you know, these games were all televised, too. But you only, to me, you only have X amount of time to challenge. 
You'll, I mean, the games are on TV, but you only have X amount of time to challenge it. I mean, I don't, you know, if you want to talk to somebody who's like they're watching, you know, and somebody up in the booth watching the game on TV, not an internal feed, but on TV. Yeah. But everything else, how the decision is made, has to be done on an internal feed, and the team should have no access to the internal feed at all. None. In every level, as far as I'm concerned, they've lost the privilege to seeing it. I'm going to run that by Bob Nightingale, see what he thinks. Great to have you with us on this Thursday. Bob Nightingale, next half hour. Big win for the Nittany Lion basketball team last night at Michigan. 72-63. Lamar Stevens at 19. Curtis Jones at 18. Myron Jones at 16. And Michigan only shot 35% from the field. The big win for Penn State. Dick Girardi joins us on the show tomorrow.